I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present Hardcore Listing, the podcast. Hello and welcome to Hardcore Listing Podcast. I'm Stu Effie. Joining me always, my co-host, co-creator, uh, Cockend, Chris Glasson. You all right? That's fucking rude, mate. Yeah, I'm, I'm fantastic, man. Absolutely, good, good, yeah. Good. I am groovy other than... Do I start whinging? Might as well. Car's broke down, isn't it? Not not strong enough to take some wing mirrors off. Um, no, so windscreen wipers to get to the ECU because uh, my but right, my look, hang on, I'll gone. tell you. First, I'm going to stop you. Right, I'm going to bring the guest in. Right, because <laughs> if we're going to break down, like having to go and see a mechanic. Right, I, I, I want a comedian's take on this okay. as well. All right, sure, um, sure. So sure. again, this is um, this is another one of our um, episodes in the lead up to the fringe that we've done with no need to shout. Uh, kindly created by them. Um, welcome, Cole Donnelly. You all right? Hi guys. Hey, How mate. You, doing? <laughs> you all right? Good, thanks. Cri- you? Um, you good? I'm, yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Apart from, as I told you just before we hit record, cut myself shaving like seven minutes ago, and it's still, it's annoying me. It's a little bit, um, very, it's actually, I think it's stopped brooding. I haven't put one of them little tissue bits. I was going to say, is that still People still thing? do that. Yeah. I do it. I yeah. still do it. If I, but to be honest, I don't know if razors have got better, but the, like, I, I'm pretty sure growing up, my, every time my dad shaved, he had four or five yeah. of them on his face <laughs> for yeah. an hour. But like, I don't know if it's just better razors now, because I tend to like, once every four times I shave, I might get a little nick. Oh, but, yeah. Um, but yeah, so because that was pure, I was just in a rush. You know, it was, we were meant to be, we started recording at 9am. This was two minutes to nine. I'm shaving. <laughs> I've just got out of the shower. I'm panicking. <laughs> So the mine was pure, just um, lack of care. But yeah, so I think it's stopped now. But it's just annoying. It's on my lip. What do you do? Do you just literally just get a little bit of bog roll and just push yeah. it on there? Yeah, tiny little square of bog roll. Shh. Put it on, and it just sticks. Dude, what um, the fuck? Why are you asking that question? <laughs> you no, must know. You must know that. Your your. When's you, the last time you shaved yeah. um, your face? Oh, before bog yeah, roll was long, invented. A long time ago. Right. <laughs> it's when people see you leave. No, but it, it, it was one of them things, wasn't it? In the eighties, like oh, yeah. geez, I remember people had it in their passport photos in the eighties. It was like there, there was it yeah. was so common, and like know. you just don't see it anymore. No, like, it's died out a lot. I think mm. I don't think people might, like not many men clean shave nowadays. Mm. I don't think everyone's got a little bit of stubble, a bit of beard, whatever. Mm. You know, sort of. Um, yeah, I feel feel like I love it. I've sort of. I'm a new. I'm, I'm really, sort of like about yeah. Last three or four years, I've started clean shaving again because I've got a tash, 
and it's lovely. You feel so clean. The thing is, you're lovely a lean fella, Cole. You're lean. Huh? You're lean. You know, and so you got a nice jawline. Whereas thanks, me, thanks, this Chris. beard, this beard's literally hiding a fucking mole yeah, through yeah, the chins. Yeah, yeah. It really <laughs> is. And like, but I've got a big old heavy top lip, and I, yeah, I reckon yeah, I, yeah. Could I, have like. a, I could. It is. I could have. You'd a have a lovely tash, yeah. Fucking magnum. Mm, like, yeah, you would. But I just don't think like I'm. I can get away with it. Well, like, because you like, you're, you're meant to have a moustache, Cole. Did you, I mean, did you ever have you ever done the sort of uh, the proper neckline, <laughs> yeah. short, you know, stubbly beard? Just that they're the ones that I think a beard it, it does hide a sort of a neckline, jawline, whatever. But at least you can you don't know what the jawline or face is like underneath it. Then people mm. who have really tight little beards, but they have that that real sort of Turkish line around there. And you can just see that it's not even hiding it. It's basically drawing attention. Yeah. Well, yeah. What, what the fuck is going on with George Lucas? Like, have you, have you ever seen his oh, neckline? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so confusing. Like, talk about he must be surrounded by yes men. Because if, well, if Stu showed up with that, he wouldn't get away with yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's a funny. I, that, I mean, it is. It's horrible. I'm not. We're not. I'm not body shaming anyone. <laughs> but that look of when you see a guy who just hasn't got a neck really like it just goes chin to chest there's just a straight line because <laughs> yeah, sometimes it's not due to any you know any size or you know i've seen yeah. skinny guys who haven't got a neck mm. yeah. and it's it is one of them looks i can't help it if i see someone like that inside i'm laughing <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, i don't want to i'm not judging them it's just it catches me off guard every time it's just a strange body thing to have isn't it right before we start with your top five, right. uh, I just want to pick back up because I was, I, oh, like yes, I said, sorry. I wanted to get a comedian's oh, right, uh, yeah. take on this. So you, you were completely incapable of, of dealing with yeah, your own car, I right? felt so inept, like in every way, just as a human, really. Uh, my, my car won't start. I had to get the RAC to save me on Sunday. And then they said the immobilizer's gone and it's going to cop. My car is such an old banger that, that replacing the sort of like the brain of the, the car would cost the car but there's a little yeah. chip you can buy on ebay and this is already start sounding like this is going to end in oh, yeah. disaster <laughs> yeah it sounds legit and he, the guy said to me like on ebay he sent me a picture of his phone number which straight away you know this is oh, already mate. going there so anyway i called him after about five or six dick pics we actually this is got essentially back. <laughs> magic beans isn't it <laughs> yeah he sent me uh, a time travel device and i had to connect the notes to my testicles um yeah basically he said look i need a picture of your ecu and then then i can send you the correct chip what's I, ecu it's the it's the control unit of the car basically right and to get that you've just got to normally just pop off a few screws and just pop it off your engine but I'm just not physically strong enough or tech mechanically minded enough to do that. It's just embarrassing. And I, I actually phoned a garage and I was like, can I bring it in? And they were like, why? Just take those screws off. I was like, oh, I don't, oh, I don't own a, I don't own a spanner. <laughs> did you, oh, come on. <laughs> did you put on alpha male voice? All right, mate. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Didn't tell him I, I've, I've lived in London. As soon in Margate, as soon as you tell someone you've only just moved to Margate, the price is triple. <laughs> Uh, it's <laughs> weird, isn't it? How you instantly you just start throwing in so many fucking F's and Jeffs when you're talking to a mechanic. Oh, Why? So it's pathetic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, we had people doing our kitchen recently, and yeah, I just it's funny because I I reverted back to how I talked when I was a kid. You know, I used to be rough <laughs> when I was a kid, but now I'm not at all. I suppose, you know, my my diction's got a lot better. But yeah, I just I was in that kitchen, just like yeah, you get you want a cup of tea, lads. Yeah, <laughs> 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 I'm impressing myself. 
How many sugars? Six. That's how many I have. And the fact is, I don't have any dairy milk in there. I no, only have same. or soy. Or I've actually got pea milk. That's the only pea. I've got pea milk in the fridge. So I have to say to her, oh, do you want a coffee, lads? And they're like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, all right. Sorry to break it to you. I've only got oh, pea milk. Oh, I've, <laughs> mate, oh, I've God. done that so many times because we've had so much stuff done in this house. And... Um, yeah, and like, I don't even have coffee now. I'm like, do you want a coffee, boys? I'm like, wicked. Do you like... Do you want a Moringa tea? <laughs> do you like chicory coffee? What? No, don't worry. I'll just keep, I'll just sit down the shops. A new tropic mushroom brand. Oh, are, you are you into this? Heard it on the Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> Oh, oh wonderful! Well, look, Carl, thanks so much for for, for coming yes. on, mate. Um, no worries. What's your top five going to be today, mate? So I picked um like i was i was gonna say top five problematic 80s films but actually one of them i picked is from the 90s um or maybe two of them, but let me think but um yeah basically it was like problematic films of my childhood yeah. i thought i'd pick it's great and um and is it i picked five that i pulled them out of my head like i probably could have picked you could probably pick every film three <laughs> nine or two thousand or something but like um yeah i picked a handful of ones some are really if people have seen them, they will know why they've dated quite badly. Yeah. Others, but others might actually have sort of snuck under the radar and people yeah. probably wouldn't think they're that problematic. But, um, and when but, I say problematic, I'm not saying like, you know, ban them, whatever. Yeah. I'm just saying when you rewatch them as a, you know, as a grown up in 2023, you're like, ooh, yeah. <laughs> this is. That this wouldn't is, get made now. Yeah. Es- especially yeah, what were they if thinking? you. Yeah. Especially if you like, you try. You remember it for the funny parts, and you remember it with your sixteen-year-old yes. brain on. And yeah. Because there's a few that, as soon as I saw that, I thought, "Oh yeah," because we actually spoke about one of these not that long ago. And uh, so it's a good, it's a good tie into that. Uh, and then, like you know, oh, that was funny. And then I'm like, oh, but then there is that scene, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like really like they just yeah, it's quite bad in a way. Like, and I'm not, I, I, but yes. I mean, this podcast is no stranger to. Very offensive jokes, but re- regardless, it's I don't know. When you look back, at some of these some of these shows, it, it makes me feel gutted because I'm like, it, of of its time, great. And if I can try and compartmentalize it to that, yeah, fine. Yeah, yeah. But it's like when you start recommending it to like like one of your younger cousins, have you seen so and so? And then like their parents are like, why are you suggesting that movie? I'm like, oh yeah. Well, the one I tell you, I don't know if you've got to do them in any order. But because there is one, the one, the reason mm. like this actual, this list um, came into my head mm. when I tried to think of five, you know, what could I talk about for five things? Mm. I suppose it's probably the one I'd say I know the most, which is the what this is bad an indictment on me because it is definitely the worst one. <laughs> Let's save that for the number yeah, one. Yeah, we'll save it for number one. Let's save the worst <laughs> one for number it's, one. Um, well, it's Soul Man, right? Oh, okay. So I'm sure, I don't know if you remember Soul Man. It's, it came out in 1986, I think it, it C. was. C. Thomas Howell, was it? C. Thomas Howell, yeah. Sent, and do you know what? It essentially, I think, derailed C. Thomas Howell's career because he was quali- he was part of the call, like, the Brat Pack. So Outsiders, oh, wow. he was in The Hitcher. He was in, there was a few other films. He was really cool and like one of that gang of Charlie Sheens and Emilio Estevez that were coming up. Like, And then this film... Like, this is the only one that actually was problematic at the time. This was one that, like, you know, it sort of did well, mm. but then there was quite a quick backlash from um, from some minority <laughs> groups who were like, we're not too keen on this. And But, but the reason I picked it is because 
I've um I this is embarrassing, but I I I did a screening of this film for my thirtieth birthday in a <laughs> cinema, and that was only what eleven years ago. So I still hadn't got it out of my system. You know, in, in, in what? What was that? 2013 or whatever. Yeah. 20, 2012. <laughs> um, I got all my mates together and we hired out a little cinema in Balham and we watched Soul Man while drinking. And I, I mean, it, it, seeing it on the big screen, didn't, you know, it was a real change, like, like game changer because you realise just how, yeah, how problematic some of the stuff is. For anyone who hasn't seen it, basically, the, the synopsis is, uh, it's, a, it's a kid who wants to go to Harvard Law School his pet, he's from a very rich family. For some reason, his parents have this weird idea that they're not going to pay his tuition fees. He's somehow got to pay for his own tuition fees to teach him a life lesson. Um, like, you know, go out, work, do whatever. But what he does is takes an overdose of tanning pills <laughs> to essentially turn black. And he gets a black scholarship uh, to go to Harvard. And while there, learns that Basically, he learns how hard it is for black students anywhere and for black people, especially in societies surrounded by people that are like at Harvard Law School. Yeah. But it's, it's got a, it's clearly got a very good intention. It's about yeah. race relations in America and you know, elite universities. But in terms of like intentions to missing the mark, it's the biggest <laughs> gap I've ever seen in any film. Like, wow. it's, it's a real, I've, they really, I've, you know, have punted it <laughs> over the bar. I've never seen it. I'm like, you know, now I'm like, do I go back and watch this to try and understand deeper what you I'd mean about yes. the miss shot? Yeah. I think you should, because like, it is, it, like, it's amazing to watch, you know, I've not watched it in, uh, you know, sort of, you years. know, I, I watch it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I watch it once a week when, when still, you, just to when, remind myself. When all your mates stop talking to you. <laughs> I listen li- to the audio of it to go to sleep every night, <laughs> but... You know, it's not, it's not something I revisit. No, but it is um, like it is one of them things where you're you just like there's so many scenes where it's obviously them trying to show this is a white guy trying to pretend to be black. Yeah. So it is playing with the stereotype, but they just lean so hard into the stereotype. There's a bit where because he, he's like the only black kid at school, yeah. they they invite him to like basically they pick him to be on the basketball team <laughs> straight away. <laughs> and needless to say, he cannot play basketball, <laughs> and it's like a real slapstick. You know, it's just, but and you know, he's obviously trying to play up to the part, and it's just, yeah, some of it. There's a scene at a dinner table where they they see it from all the other posh parents' perspective. Right. So every time it cuts back to one of the parents' perspective, he's changed into another black stereotype, like a sort of pimp or right, a right. or a really aggressive, like sort of yeah. And it all like he's, he's suddenly he's prince and he's seducing their daughter, and it's like. And each one gets worse as it cuts back. You're like, oh, fuck, just stop it, man. Just move on to a different scene. But at the time, I watched it as a kid and I thought it was so funny. Yeah, because yeah. It is Mate, funny. I, yeah. I went to cinema to see that. Yeah. Right. And there was a lot of money. It was a big film. Like, it did really. I think it did pretty well. And then there was a backlash and they sort of quietly kept it a bit out of yeah like i think and i do think c thomas howe's career suffered from it so he then basically became a b-movie actor for right. ever since yeah that makes total sense because like you say he was a proper superstar and i, I remember like the, the hype around that film was so i think sam and dave reissued the song soul man as well yeah, like, yeah. around that time and it was like it was a big deal that film and uh oh man that's really that's really mad that you said that that has derailed up. his career it really yeah. has do you reckon he wakes up in just a cold sweat about this? Just like, fuck, 
do you remember when I did that film? And like, especially because <laughs> yeah. of how that stayed. Because in a if you put that down to one line of what that film's about, it just sounds really bad, doesn't it? It's like <laughs> well, yeah, you know, like. <laughs> but they were a different time, and I do think that I genuinely yeah. think when he went into it, I think I've read some like I'm sure I've read some interviews where he's talked about it. He's like, yeah, like obviously it was wrong, but at the time, our intentions were yes. so good that yeah. we missed that the actual what we were doing clearly wasn't gonna get that the message across well enough do you know what i mean yeah. so it just it's a hard it would be a hard sell that'd be a hard thing to obviously there's a context to it and all that but at, when you do anything like that and play around with those ideas the context has got to be solid as a yeah. rock you know what i mean absolutely because if you do miss by an inch you, you totally fucked yeah. it yeah Oh, oh man, I'm gonna I, have to when, watch when it. When I think of them films, like problematic ones, there's ones that are just glaringly obvious. I'd never even considered Soul Man, and like, yeah. and that's by far the worst. I think it's the worst. I think it is the worst. I think it's the sort of apex predator yeah. of, of dodgy '80s films. That when you look back, you're like, oh man, I shouldn't have watched that. You know, once every two weeks for ten years, <laughs> I shouldn't be able to recite every every. I shouldn't be hiring out cinemas to watch it. Just scream it. So wow. I'm to my mates, half of which aren't white. <laughs> Guys, come and watch this great film. Honestly, you'll love it. What's Cole trying to say to us today? Yeah. I don't know. On his birthday. No, guys, you don't get it. You don't get it. It's actually got a really good intention. <laughs> yeah. did, did, did that party turn into like an intervention at some point, Cole? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. There's oh. Some, I mean, there's a... There's so many scenes I remember. Like, there's one bit where he he finds out there is other. There's a, there's a, a black sort of Harvard Law student group on campus. There's obviously only a very small. It's like six of them or something. And uh, he he gets so excited to join um, because obviously at this point he's already starting to find it very hard being black at, at yeah. Harvard, and he's finding like he's he's being met with a lot of racism. Um, so he joins the black students group and he shows up. He thinks he's going to be like a militant activist group. So he shows up in like a black beret. <laughs> And like a black turtleneck thinking it's going to be like, you know, sort of black fight Panther the power. Style, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he walks in and obviously it's just um, sort of middle class black um, academic students. <laughs> and he bursts in the door and they look at him and he's and he goes, anyone order a cab and walks out. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, you know what I mean? Again, I get what they're trying to do with yeah. that light, but that isn't, the, that's no. not the light. There's, no. just, there's a better way you could yeah. get that joke yeah. across. Yeah. So yeah, it's um, it's it's worth a watch just to see like how times have changed. The, the fact that like so much of it wouldn't have got made now. And don't get me wrong, I think you know you don't want to go too crazy and say that you can't have anything that's in context, but it's on no. a dodgy topic. You want that context because that's how good stuff gets made. Yeah, but totally. I think now things we are a little bit more careful about just zooming out a bit and seeing how would this look from uh, from more people's perspectives rather than just who's making it. Didn't happen with Soul Man, that did it? Huh? That didn't <laughs> not, happen with Soul not Man. Not you, you racist Jew. You didn't even think I, of it. I feel like there was not many um, uh, sort of black people involved in the making yeah. of that film. No. I think I don't think there was many involved in the writing process, directing production. No, exactly. I feel like there's a whiff. It was quite a white production. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> oh dear, oh dear. Um, I think I own down VHS as well. Jesus. Um, right. Number. Let's do number four. Let's do number what four. Should we do numbers? Uh, let's do, 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 do. Well, I mean, I, to, to be honest, I think that we could do. Um, I'll tell you one that I've not watched probably since, and I'm doing it purely from memory. Yeah. And this one um, is Porky's. Do you remember Porky's? Yeah. yeah. 
Because again, this like, she was I literally, sh- I shared a meme of Porky's to my oh, really? mate yesterday. Yeah. So, I, so this is from my memory because I was, I mean, I was, I was only born in 1982, and Porky's came out in like 81. But I, I just, I got into films so young because my brother was seven years older than me. So from like the age of three or four, I was watching films that my brother was watching when he was like 10, 11, and he started watching obviously like you know grown up films. Yeah. Um, so we lived in a pub for a bit and like, yeah, we just basically, I, we were feral, me and my brother. I just got to watch everything I ever wanted. So you watched Robocop and, um, when you was about five then, basically? I think I, I watched, I remember watching Robocop, yeah, really young. Probably, I'd say probably seven, I think I watched Robocop. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I remember, I remember seeing Porky's before I was 10, easily. So that would have been, you know... Um, and I, my memory of it is, it, I thought it was so rude. But I it think it's probably so rude. If, but do you reckon though? I reckon if I rewatched it now, it probably wasn't. But there's a few bits, the bits I remember that definitely are somehow emblazoned on my mind, even though I was ten, whatever, when I watched it, or eight or nine. Um, I remember there's there's bits that I would think now you'd be like, this <laughs> and there's a bit when they are perving on some girls in, in a, a shower. shower. And one of them puts their dick through a hole, and <laughs> somebody. <laughs> yeah. that, I mean that yeah. that feels. <laughs> you know, Is that where glory holes were invented, or was that something reckon, they borrowed on? Who knows? I reckon it must have come from a thing. I reckon glory holes. You know, I reckon glory holes have been around as long as holes have been around. <laughs> 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 that would be my. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Male instinct is that that is really something that from cavemen times. See a hole, put your willy through it. through it, see if a velociraptor takes it off. As a, yeah, I remember that scene really stood out. There's a there's a mm. fair few um, racial slurs in it because it is obviously mm. it's set. It was like set in the 50s, 60s, isn't it? It's one of the films that is like a sort yeah. of stand by me <laughs> with tits. Uh, if, I was, if I was a film reviewer, I think that was a tagline, Cole. <laughs> <laughs> Stand by me if you wanted to knock one out to it. Um, but I just, yeah, I remember there being a lot of boobs, yeah, dicks, and I just remember there being a lot of racial slurs because Anna, mm, yeah, yeah, I did that. I, and so this one, I, I, I couldn't, my memory of it is just those bits. I don't even know what it's about. You know, I don't know. I think it, it's, it's just essentially. 
five lads that are just got to get laid. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. just got to get laid. And that's the whole thing. The premise is just how they're trying to get laid. And and there is, there's that, that's the, the, the scene, I guess, that, that springs to mind is that shower scene, which is just, I remember thinking as a kid, it was the yeah. funniest thing ever. Yeah. And, yeah, I, and, yeah, like, yeah. and yeah. Porky's so was, yeah, yeah. was one of them films that was like, as, as a 50-year-old man, when I was like, 10, 11, that was like one of them writer passage yeah. films that like, you've seen Porky's. And it was mm. like, it because there was boobs in it and it was just funny and stupid. Yeah. And and there was so many of them sort of, fr- not sort of frat films yeah, that were coming yeah, yeah. out of that, that sort of throwback to the 60s. There was Lemon Popsicle and there was all sorts of films around that sort of Porky's type thing. And that film, I watched it again about maybe four or I five years ago. It's fucking terrible. <laughs> it's like, it, it, it does not deliver. Because there was Por- Porky's 2 come out in 1983, and I actually spoke about this uh, on on my 80s podcast um, because the guy that I, I, I recorded it with, we, we, we watched them films together as kids. And uh, and if, if one weren't bad enough, two was oh, really man. bad. Like Porky's Revenge, yeah, really, yeah. really bad. Uh, um, what was it? I reckon because yeah. M films are obviously that even that genre feels like it's sort of died out, isn't it? Like there was a ninth. Yeah, it went, like I'd Wikipedia say you said, took it up right yeah. up to sort of American Pie would almost be the the end of the era of it was yeah. almost like a fifteen year, it's probably twenty year. It'd be like from there was M films from the late seventies. Yeah. You had what Dazed and Confused, that sort of style of film. But obviously yeah. the Porky's yeah, ones yeah. were the there was the ones that yeah. were just about kids getting yeah. wanting to get to get their end away. And like they feel, yeah, feel like yeah. a, a real genre of like every few years there'd be a comedy about students trying to have it off before they leave college it's, or something or school. Yeah, it's called it's a really sex comedy. Re- I mean, like a, a se- like that's how it's you know if, if you look on Wikipedia, which I just did, uh, it's the very first line is it's a 1981 sex comedy. If that doesn't tell you <laughs> sex what you what to what to expect, <laughs> so what's my so my uh, next year's yeah, Edinburgh Fringe show is going to be a sex comedy. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it doesn't, doesn't feel like a genre that should exist, sex comedy, does it? <laughs> no, exactly. But as an 11-year-old lad in the early 80s, yeah. if I went to the video shop and there was a section over there called oh, sex man. comedy, yeah, that's yeah. where it, my eyes would yeah. be going. It feels very essential. And regardless of sensibilities changing now, and for good reason, I'm not like, oh, it's it's fucking PC culture gone mad. There's, there's very good reasons why we've moved on a lot from that sort, yeah. of, that, that sort of thing. But if you was to say the premise of... Five, you know, five college blokes just, you know, hell bent on getting yeah. laid. That premise that hasn't changed no, at all. It is like a, we, a universal thing that young people yeah. go through. Although there is that argument. Have you seen this thing now? They're saying like, there's a this discussion about why there's so little sex in modern films. Like, you know, there used to be sex in mo- loads of films, even like totally mm. unnecessarily. Most eighties action films halfway through, just, just the main character was just Can knock I... boots or something. I watched, I watched Top oh, Gun yeah. right for the first oh. time in years yeah. the other night, right? And I'm going to throw this out there and probably might offend a few people. It's fucking dreadful. The original, the original <laughs> Top Gun. Such, it's so bad. Yeah, yeah it's I suppose so it bad. is, but it's also I suppose it's um, nostalgically thinking. I remember. I just think of it mm. as fun. I'm not thinking it's a good. Film, Absolutely, but. Mm. Absolutely, same. But the the sex scene in that is totally pointless. Yes, yeah, doesn't mean that. And it's yeah. like, and that's and, well, that, that song by Berlin is used in, throughout the whole yeah, of the yeah. film, it's just to remind you that there was sex like, at one point. Just remember that. Do you remember the sex. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like a little Pavlovian response. To you, the song comes. Remember when you knocked one out? But you mentioned American Pie, and you know that's pro- there's 
problems around that no, as well. That, is, that on your, is that on your list, Carl? American, American Pie, Pie isn't on my list, but it could, I suppose, yeah, again, like, like I said, this list we... was hastily put together. And it could, it, you could pick so many films, like from, you know, from the, well, from right back. But if you were picking of my, when I was young and the 80s and 90s, there's so many films that you deem as now probably Me not acceptable. Yeah, we watched it about, um, probably about 18 months ago, American Pie. Fuck knows why yeah. we watched it. It wasn't like either of us were desperate to see it. It might have just been on TV or whatever. And my my missus, uh, she is like the, the the precipice of like progressiveness. And we watched it, and we were surprised that we still were laughing. Yeah. And like we were like 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 so it was it were I mean there are obviously tr- problematic bits in it, but it weren't as um, as shocking. I mean it's no way near in the same league as something like Paul. No, I mean it is it is edgy. Like and like these sec- and I think you're absolutely right, Carl. This this whole genre sex sex comedy really has kind of like fallen off a fallen off the cliff and maybe it's because everyone's trying to reassess and trying to find their feet on what what is appropriate because well, yeah. what, what i'm trying to work it? is why but there, there's this this debate around whether or not young people are just almost gone too far and they're too averse to sex. like you know yeah. there's this thing about yeah like i know there were un, unnecessary sex scenes in films were weird but to go from that to zero sex scenes, like as if like, yeah. why would you put a sex scene in? Because so there was there's some sex scenes had a purpose. Like basic instinct wouldn't have been basic instinct without the sex scenes. Like yeah, they had a reason. And you know, I feel yeah. like it's sort of but yeah, well, it was funny just chucking one in an action film for no reason. <laughs> All action. Why, just one yeah. bit. Just why, why do I need to see Mel Gibson naked in lethal weapon? Why why has he walked across his caravan in the nude? Yeah. But in the seventies, the, the 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 kind of nudity was it was a textbook kind of crime film, wasn't it? Where yeah. they'd kick a door in, and there'd always be some yes. woman that jumps up on her knees in the bed, like, "Oh, yeah. there they are!" <laughs> and it was like that was always a given in every kind of Dirty Harry yeah, film, yeah. any Charles Bronson film. There was a, a set of very startled tits as the as the door got kicked open. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you don't really. It's not oh, many. Even like bo- boobs. There's, I'd say. The, I would say, mm. and this is. I'm totally guessing here. I reckon the boob count in films is bottomed out. Like Drops. what it was, decade on decade. I think. I reckon this decade is the lowest boob count in films ever. Mm. I suppose, and, unless you take into of... account all of them on. But they've all moved online, haven't they? Boob. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Well, is that the, the thing? Is Carl? Is that it? Like it you know. Is. So is this whole like? Is this like like bit of like you know? It's a new deed. It's the need to see a pair of knockers. Let's let's reduce it down to that. Has that literally gone? Well, it's not in film now. So, but it's because it's basically online. Well, you I can suppose you see- split it, haven't you? Now it's like if I want to see yeah. them, I'll go there. But in a film, I just want to watch the film. I don't need the yeah. distraction of a pair of <laughs> taters. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm now referring back to like I'm in one of these films. <laughs> oh dear, well, Kim Cattrall's one of her. I think one yeah. of her first ever films was Porky's. What was that? Uh, that was Kim Cattrall was the, oh, the, the, yes. one of the yeah. big stars She's of Porky's. One of yeah. uh, it's one of her very early so films. Attractive. She was. So, uh, I remember. I, I've like, my oh. age. My demographic age wise just remembers Mannequin. And like she was so oh, beautiful in yeah. that film. It's like a real early, yeah. you know, just falling in love with a lady on yeah. screen. Absolutely. She's in Absolutely. Big, big Trouble in Little she China is. too. Oh, man. Yeah. Yes. Quality movie. Anyway. Anyway. Anyway, sorry, we digress. <laughs> uh, right, number, number three. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's do number four. What should we do next? Let's do, I think um, we've just understood why. 
why there was boobs in the film. <laughs> Please do number three because I was that close to actually saying four. I suppose. <laughs> right, number three, let's do um, what I think to be probably the best film on this list, and that is Trading Places. Like Trading Places, oh, right. again. Sort of- Come out 40 years ago last week. Oh, really? I mean, well, mm-hmm. and it's a, it is so funny. It's great. It's got an amazing cast. Like, you wouldn't like, you couldn't change a member of that cast and like make it better. It was just like, perfect. Uh, Intention-wise, it's great. You know, it's sort of uh, it is a you know critique of um, like wealthy, like capitalist, horrible white people basically. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also of its time it was quite a you know some of the tools they used to get that across were pretty heavy handed big boob count <laughs> I will say a lot of boobs <laughs> I, like, to- I mean you see Jamie Lee Curtis's boobs twice in it and um, mm. you know that is you know um, I, I, at the time I thought it was a great <laughs> great decision <laughs> yeah, when okay. I was a young man um, but um, and loads of other boobs unnecessary ones as well but i mean uh obviously the big one the big one i think people would, would remember that might be an issue is the dan Aykroyd blacked up being a rastafarian on mm. the train at the end which <laughs> yeah. when you revisit you're like oh this is bad <laughs> like everything about it, the accent the i mean everything is so like, in your face that you're like on the nose this bit is dated like milk mm. like it's really bad and there's a few other bits, you know, there's like sort of um, even Eddie Murphy's sort of, uh, you know, vague sort of just African guy in the hat at the end. Like everything just feels, mm-hmm. there's a lot of stereotypes in this film. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. but it's, but they obviously, again, the, you, you watch this film and it's so funny and so good overwhelmingly that they're the bits you sort of go, but, you know, it's, um, this is when you hear yourself going, but you know, it was a different time, you know, <laughs> trying to justify, yeah, it was, you know, it was just, things were different there. Fast forward this bit. Yeah. Let's just get through this bit. And at the end of the bit, there's a bit where definitely, do you remember the bit at the end when the guy's in the monkey suit and he basically mm. gets, I think he gets raped by the, an actual gorilla. <laughs> that bit makes you go, yeah, this is also not great. But it's, yeah, it's just, there's, a, there's, there's, it's littered with moments that make you sort of slightly cringe on a rewatch. But it's still so funny. It's, I think this has got yeah. one of my. I would say like in like funniest moments I've ever seen in films, and they might not be the funniest now if I rewatch it. But I remember the bit yeah. when Eddie Murphy looks at the camera when the two old guys are being just racist, basically behind <laughs> his back, and it's one of them few. It's one of them things you can only do in like you didn't really you don't really get it anymore. Eighties films nailed that thing of just an totally out of the blue sort of look to camera, like an acknowledgement of the audience. Paul, Paul. Yeah. yeah. I remember there was a really good one in Weird Science. Uh, obviously, there's... Um, I mean, that that's that's problematic. Yeah. Weird Science has got issues. That was my favourite film <laughs> yeah, as a kid. Yeah. I should have put that in. Oh, I could God, talk about that. So incredible. It's amazing. Yeah, and obviously, not to get yeah. middle-aged creepy guy again, but Kelly LeBrock in that film, like, that was another one of my first true loves. Well, we might have talked Ke- Kelly- about that. Kelly LeBrock, I've definitely talked about that. Like <laughs> woman in red oh, as man. well, right? But but you mentioned um that scene of um Aykroyd um dressed as the Rastafarian. Um and it just then stuck in my head then because I absolutely love Gene Wilder oh, yeah, yeah. And, and Richard Pryor. And the first film they done, Silver Streak, yeah. there's a scene when Gene Wilder does that and I've just I've completely <laughs> forgot about <laughs> it. Puts on the Jamaican kind of yeah. uh, woolly hat and the fake dreads and yeah, face paint and yeah, it's it's problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
But they but, were different uh, times. They were different times. I love Gene Wilder. I can't. Oh, I don't know. How I know. It's, it's hard because it is that thing of like, like Dan Aykroyd is, you know, a you know, a legend. You know what I mean? But mm. yeah, when you, I, but I do think genuinely, like you, you can't excuse it or like you know. But it's I do think they they just had no idea what they were doing was problematic. They, yeah, that's that, that's it. Yeah, I agree, it's, Carl. It's like it's being able to. It's very difficult for human beings for us to hold both of those opinions in our head at the same time because they're they, they oppose know, each other. Yeah, like, yeah. It's like, but it shouldn't be hard to I, hold I, that. It's just I think it is. You yeah. know, it does get. It's, it's nowadays it's a bit harder to hold that, isn't it? Because it feels like you're justifying mm. it or you know excusing it. Yeah, it's actually yeah. going to say no. It's you yeah. can't change it. It did happen. <laughs> it is there on screen? Yeah. yeah, and you can say it was wrong. But I don't think every. You know, I don't think every occasion that something like this happened in seventies, eighties films, whatever, was done ill intention. You know what I mean? It wasn't. Yeah. They were just writing a film. Went right. Let's. Say, wouldn't it be funny now if we just had someone black up? You know, I do think there was probably <laughs> yeah. a, lot, a lot more thinking behind it, and they thought yeah. they were doing mm-hmm. something well. And it's just it's it is transpired that the years have shown that no, that bit was not good. Yeah, but no, but it's a great, really it's well a great, but is it? I mean, Trading Places are f- so funny. There's so many funny bits. It's a really, mm. it's aged like the comedy is aged very well. I think. Um, I mean, was there a funnier person on the planet at that point than oh, Eddie I Murphy? Don't, I, I, I don't think so. I don't think oh. so. No. But again, even like he would be like you know. I mean, you look back at his stand-up of that era. Delirious, mate. I bought that on DVD when my local video shop shut down because I had that on yeah, audio yeah. set. Like Porky's, that was one of them right things. That was, as, that was as, probably one of the first stand-up sort of shows I ever watched. I was, I'm going to say, eight years old, and it was a life-changing mm. moment. I couldn't believe yeah. how funny it was. And But some of it is bad. Oh, my God. You know, yeah. again, like, because, again, it was that thing of, you know, he was talking about it from like the, the, his stuff about gay people, and that is so dated. Yeah, yeah but yeah. you know, it's horribly, horribly reflected him and a lot of society's opinions at that point. Um, and yeah, so I, but it is that thing of like, it, I don't, yeah, you can't retrospectively change how you felt about it. You know what I mean? That's what you got to accept. You got to mm. just go like, oh, was, I found this really funny at the time, and now I'm aware that yeah. some of it is bad. But um, but yeah, I loved. It. I mean, he was just the, he was the king at that like that time. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Stand up and films. All these films in the eighties were oh, just man. insane. Amazing. You can do a great top five. Yeah, those. you know, and like Richard Pryor would be like another one. You know, I I loved that sort of Gene Wilder, Richard Pryor era. You know, they had a. I loved Stir Crazy is one of my favourite comedies of all time. Oh. I think it's one of the great comedy films, but doesn't really get mentioned yeah. in the when people talk about the no. great comedies. I think it is. See no evil, we no evil. No evil yes. is great, but I, don't, I think it does. It's it suffers a bit from that, you know, um, doing yeah. a bit too much. I'd say that's probably a bit problematic. <laughs> Actually, that's really like, yeah, you just said that hundred percent. There's a blind guy with every stereotype going. Um, oh, I'll tell I you what, my, that. Uh, my 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 mate's a, a, a comedy act, and uh, and he uh, he's got this. He's got the best tattoo. He's got a tattoo of. Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor, and it's the one from uh, Seen Everywhere. Gene Wilder's put the ice cream on <laughs> uh, on Richard Pryor's head. It's a fucking great yeah, tattoo, yeah, yeah. and it's like, oh yeah, glorious, oh, love it. Yeah, stir crazy, mate. Like, I don't want to watch that just in case that's problematic. I now don't because I've that watched film, that in the oh, last, I'd say, five or six years, and I don't. Yeah, I, nothing jumps out at me as 
Yeah. Like that, I think that's pretty, um, that would get a pass, I reckon. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Oh, thank you. Cole, you just said, before we go on to any more, so we've done three of your top five, and you said, like, when you were about eight, you, you know, that was when... That might have been your introduction to watching stand up was sort of like the Eddie Murphy sort of stuff. So, what, like, how long have you done comedy? What 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 drew you into doing stand up? Um, I've been doing comedy for a year, eighteen years, I reckon. I think I started like two thousand five. Really, that's when I sort of first started dipping my toe in. And um, but no, it was no like I remember I I, I wasn't a massive stand up fan or anything. I wasn't. It wasn't something I watched thinking I'm going to do that. But I just remember having sort of moments of watching people like Eddie Murphy and I remember I used to watch Dave Allen a lot with my parents my parents were Irish so I used to sit on the floor and watch Dave Allen totally unaware that he was doing stand-up you know what I mean because he was just sat in a chair telling stories and then doing sketches and that so I think I just I think it was always something I loved I loved sketch stuff as well like you know again at school I'd be watching Big Train and all them sorts of things and like and me and my mates would mess around and write little sketches and film them you know on my mate's camcorder and just there was always little elements that like I enjoyed doing, but I never thought about it until, yeah, I'd sort of I was at work, I was working, you know, and then just bumming around. And my ex-wife, who we, when we first got together, she was a massive stand-up fan. So and she started taking me to stand-up like clubs. I'd never been to a comedy club before, mm. and suddenly seeing it in like a club made me go like, oh, like it almost bridged the gap between it being a thing you see on telly and something that's a reality. And when I saw yeah. it in that environment, something just clicked and I was like, this is something I'd like to do. But I didn't know how to do it. I'd never doubled. I, I used to be nervous reading out in class at school. You know what I mean? I was really shy. And then my ex unknowingly, as a, as a surprise, signed me up to a, a comedy workshop at a place called The City Lit in town. And I just had to go and do a stand-up workshop totally like without any... And I didn't decide to. I didn't, it's not something I wanted and I just went out of curiosity, and then just the moment I went and started it, I was like, "Oh, this is what something I want to try." And the rest is history, basically. I just started doing that, and I'm the only person who did that workshop that went on to do it. 
and yeah and it, it was it was quite weird because everyone else showed up like i'm gonna be a stand-up and i was like my missus bought this for me and then uh <laughs> and i was the one that got the real bug and just went off and just did it so yeah it was no that I, I guess the expectations can be like yeah th- th- all those people who went were just like it's going to be this thing and i'm going to get this from yeah. it and actually well that's it i think as well and also it just it, different people can do it and different people can't you know there's a lot of actors mm. that were on that that workshop and they all came into it super confident because they'd had acting chops and they'd like performed and mm. like i think they thought stand-up was going to be easy or a translatable thing from acting it actually it can be it can help with performance i imagine but you know, doing stand-up and writing stand-up is a totally different thing to just being able to act. You know what I mean? It is something, something to, yeah, I, yeah I, I just sort of took to it quite naturally, whereas they, they've, it, I think, struggled a bit more. So yeah, that was it. What, what sort of comedy clubs did you start in? How, how how did you start once you did like this workshop? Where did you Well, I mean, because I, I started just, I would say, in the end of what you'd say the old era was before like the TV era of comedy, the modern TV era. Like, you know, when I started, there was no Live at the Apollo. There was no Mock the Week. I think I started and within about nine months, those shows started on TV. So when I first started, the circuit, the the open mic circuit was tiny. You know what I mean? There was hardly anyone wanting to do it. Anyone who wanted to do it was just people that had gone to comedy clubs and thought, oh, I might give this a go. Like, whereas now... It's huge. Loads of people are trying to do it because there's loads on telly and there's an inspires yeah. people yeah. to do it. But so the open mic circuit, there was like there was a handful of like moody little clubs we'd be performing to six people in Soho. But other than that, you know, it, it was really easy to get an open spot at the comedy store and at the banana cabaret and up the creek and like sort of. So you, it was much easier to get in with the big clubs to do your early open spots. And I think it just elevated. It meant that you got better yeah. much quicker. Because you were just doing it in better quality clubs rather than, I think now a lot of people get bogged down doing three or four years in terrible little open mic gigs performing to other comedians. Yeah. So it just takes yeah. them a bit longer to improve. Whereas I think like, you know, I started out and within two years, you know, I was playing most of the big clubs and, you know, I'd, I'd quit my job like two and a half years after my first open spot just because I was getting enough paid work with the big clubs that I was like, oh, right, this is actually now starting to pay the rent and things. And once I quit my job and really focused on it, it was like, you know, once I just got in with all the clubs within like three years or something. So whereas now, you know, you hear people like the amount of time it takes them to get an open spot at the comedy store, right. you know, they'll they'll ask for one, they'll get one a year later and a year later they go to show up to their open spot and it might, if they don't kill it, then they'll get, all right, we'll give you another open spot in a, in a year. So like already that's two years has passed while they've done two open spots at the comedy store, whereas... I remember doing like the gong show, winning it and doing an open spot about three weeks later and then doing well there and getting another open spot. And in the space of about a year, I was doing paid weekends because I, they just, there was so much, it was less people trying to do it. So you moved through quicker because there was less competition. And then within about two years of me starting, the world changed because suddenly there was all this telly stuff and you were meeting a, a thousand different open spots every week. So it's crazy, like it's just yeah. I just a pure luck yeah. timing. I was lucked out by starting when I did. I just caught the end of the slightly easier era to start out in comedy. Yeah. So, yeah. Sat- a saturated we... market then. Yeah. So like now it's just so much harder. But yeah. you know, you say it's luck, but I mean, obviously, if you weren't funny, Carl, 
You wouldn't, oh, yeah, no, they, yeah, you, they, you wouldn't have been true. able to stay there on. There is still so, a, a quality you know. control, but I just think um, mm, yeah. even though it, it used to be if you were good, you just got moved up much quick, really quick. But I think now yeah. it does take a bit longer for the really good ones to yeah. just get through all that. You know, just it's probably added a couple of years to the process. So, yes, now, yeah, you hear about stories about the 90s. It was even more extreme. People would like book in for their first gig and do all right and then suddenly they're getting paid weekends like you know because there was no one doing it almost so it's sort of just i think it's just got more and more professional and more and more hard but um but yeah that is what it is i mean let's just sort of touch on the fringe uh we'll we'll, we'll pull back to the, the the fringe in more depth towards the end um but what was the sort of have you seen, I mean, was you doing the Fringe quite early on? Straight away, basically. First, 2006, I went up with a couple of mates and we did two weeks on the free Fringe doing like a group show. And in 2007, I got invited up to do a thing called the Comedy Zone, um, which is a thing that Avalon, uh, the agency, used to run like a showcase year on year. It was quite a prestigious showcase. You know, loads of people like Stuart Lee did it. It was like, it was like a famous one that every year four acts would get picked, four new acts from the circuit would be like, right, you're four of the hot young things and then i did that in 2007 and then 2008 i did a double header with john robbins and then 2009 i did solo shows and then i started my solo show in 2009 and did a solo show every single year until 2019 so i've just wow. gone every, i went every year until the pandemic and then that was like just put and almost the pandemic it was good that the pandemic came in a sense of i just went up like you know i love the fringe i think it's an amazing place and i really do love it but I did need a break, but I didn't. I didn't yeah. realize I needed it until I had one. And I was like, "Oh, it's nice to have a summer where I'm not just in the pissing rain of Edinburgh." And you know, it's, it just made me realize I actually yeah. quite missed having a bit of time in the summer to just knock around and be at home. And so, yeah. So this is the first time I'm going back this year since 2019. Fantastic. Well, let's um let's, let's jump back onto right, your, your, your top five. Let's do it. Uh, where are we let's at, number two? Number two. Um, well, let's do, um, I think the one that's got the best intentions, but but has, uh, I think it's got a really bad message, and that is Forrest Gump, which is, <laughs> some people would probably disagree with this, but I think if you watch Forrest Gump now, I think it's really toxic. I think it's a bad film. Like, I don't like, you know, obviously we never actually get to the bottom of what, is wrong with Forrest Gump you know what I mean there is that slight <laughs> yeah. it's a bit like oh is he mentally disabled and we don't know you know no. there is this weird well, thing of like you know is he we, no we don't yeah it's I think him playing a bit of a you know potentially um disabled man um but there's that's not my main issue with it is when you actually look at how it treats a lot of the the big global issues it covers you know the whole point of it is it's this dumb unaware idiot wandering through the world and um somehow and yeah and somehow yeah. partaking in every major well american event of the last 40 years whatever and somehow coming out great because he basically is this unaware like the whole i mean you know it's sort of i think it paints this picture that if you're just like good intention and nice and you, mm -hmm. that you can sort of just life will be okay and uh no matter how like shit the world is and I don't know, it feels yeah. like a slightly um, naive way of looking at it. And if you look at all the other characters in the film, anyone who actually tries to do anything or has anything that veers from the from the standard of what they're trying to say, they get fucked. You know what I mean? Like, so Forrest <laughs> is this dumb idiot who goes and fights in Vietnam and gets through it just by being dumb and whatever. And like Jenny, the love interest, she, 
you know, she tries to has to be of a rough fights against the war, and you know, she believes yeah. in the sexual revolution and all that. She ends up dying yeah. of AIDS. It's like AIDS, yeah, yeah, strung yeah. out on heroin. Yeah. 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 Like, oh, yeah, if you try and fight the system, you're dead, mate. <laughs> yeah. Not before having a kid with Forrest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Of and then you're like, so has he got AIDS? She basically, uh, I don't know. But do we need to talk about that? sex with amount of sympathy as well, which is really a weird bit. Yeah. It's yeah. all everything yeah, yeah. about the film actually. When you yeah. take out this sort of you know nice sheen of laugh is like multi chocolates. Actually, it's. I think it's a terrible film with a terrible message, and it should never be remembered. Well, you have fucking there, ruined Forrest Gump for me. I've never considered this. Yeah, I so think fuck that guy as loved. well. I'm Not Tom Hanks. Yeah, him as well. Fucking for doing it. <laughs> Do you know what I will say? I'm going to say this. I'm not a mad Tom Hanks fan. I like to, I like no, I like we've... 80s Tom Hanks, but what the 90s Forrest Gump era? I'm not mad about it. I like. Everyone gets annoyed at me, Carl. For what, it. you don't like him? I'm the, I'm the no, same. I just like, think... like, we did a top five Tom Hanks with a guest, and I was like, hey, he's right. What would they, what would a top five? Like, I mean, I just think, you know, I, just, yeah, I don't get it. I get he's nice, and he's sort of quite, he's a, obviously, he's quite, he's a good actor. And, you know, I saw that Captain Phillips film I watched. I was like, oh, yeah, you are actually yeah. a good actor. But I just think his yeah. choice of films, I'm not, I'm not a fan of. I think he has bad do taste. Do you think, do you think Soul Man was written? With Tom Hanks in mind. I wish, because that would have ended. We would have done that Forrest Gump. Yeah. That would have solved yeah, my problems. Gone. Get rid of it. Because C. Thomas Howe was almost a poor man's Hanks, wasn't he? He could have been a rich man's Hanks. I think C. Thomas Howe could have been the Tom Hanks we needed. Mm. Instead, we got, yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Like, I don't, I mean, I don't. Trading places for those two. Yeah. I am, um, you know, I'm trying to think of a Tom Hanks film I've liked apart from Captain Phillips. I didn't even like Captain Phillips so much, but I just thought he was good in it. It was different. It was something different he did. All the terminal and all, they're all so saccharine and nice. It's like, I don't want to watch that. I want to watch that horrible. So, and... Are you going to rain down on fucking Big as well? Um, no, Big was, that's what I, I, I said. 80s Hanks. Right. Oh, well, he, oh, yeah, okay. he, gets a, he gets a pass because, you know, he was younger and up and coming. <laughs> Young and fun. Yeah, the films were fun. Even though big, you know, again, big, you couldn't say that there's not issues with you know, the fact that he is a kid in an adult's body who then gets seduced by his boss. <laughs> let's not, come on. Yeah. Let's not forget that there is essentially paedophilia in that film. We need to put some sort of warning at the beginning of this podcast that we're literally smashing people's dreams and fucking memories. You like big, do you? You're a pedo, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. I'm glad we've I'm glad we finally got there with Hanks as well, Stu. So now now, now I've got someone on my side because whenever I go on a rant about him, they're like, "What? Well, leave him alone." And I'm I just feel like he's so middle of the road. I'm not having a go. He seems like a lovely guy. Yeah. I'm, this is not an attack on his character, but like you say, his choice of films is like, you know, I have I can't bring myself to watch the Terminal. I can't nah. bring myself to watch that one where he's stuck on an island for three Cast hours. Away. I'm not doing. I'm not doing it. Um, I thought, uh, what's that? Oh, fucking hell. What's the one where he's at war? Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Saving Private That was actually pretty good, but it wasn't all just about Tom Hanks being Captain no, Nice Pete. You but know, it's also it quite, schmaltzy. It quite... His style of film is real mm. schmaltzy Oscar <laughs> fodder. It's that thing where you yeah. watch him and you can feel like, oh, this is going to win an Oscar, isn't it? Which sounds yeah, like that shouldn't be a criticism because yeah. obviously that feels like it's meant to be the yeah. peak of cinema and filmmaking. But most yeah. films that win Oscars are nice films for 
cunts. <laughs> Let's be honest. Do you know what I mean? Go through the list of best films of the last 20 years. Most of them are not the best film in that category or in the, that year. And a lot of them just tick the boxes. I went to see a film with the Green Book when it came out about... Uh, oh, I remember that. Yeah. That won the best film. And it's one of the shittest mm. films I've ever seen. Like, it's so schmaltzy yeah. and like... Yeah. Just, yeah, you can just feel it. You can feel when you're watching it going, oh, this is going to win Best Picture, isn't it? <laughs> like, it's weird. Oscar fodder. I love that. And that's what I feel with most Tom Hanks films of the sort of mid-90s onwards. They just had that vibe. And I hope now, he's slightly as he ages, he might go a bit more off-piste again and do something else. But I think Forrest Gump is the peak of this film that I watch, and I'm like, this is bad. It's not got a good message. Mm. You know, it's, um, it's just... Looking at history through the I'm, eyes of an idiot. <laughs> I'm going to shout out Tom Hanks in the Elvis film. I thought he was fucking. I thought great it was the worst thing about the film. Played... <laughs> I, I, mean up, that. I loved the Elvis film. Genuinely loved it, but I thought his choice. I thought the casting of him was actually a really bad thing for it. I thought it was really unique to see him being a total. It was nice cunt. to see him to try fair, something I different. Like I, I like the fact that he mm. tried something different, but I actually think from watching it, I was like, there was so many people that could have done that better. That character, I thought. So like, it was that. I, as yeah, much as I'm yeah. saying, I did like. That's what I'm saying. I think he is now starting to choose more interesting things and do something mm. a bit different. But I just it didn't work for me as a. You know, I, I yeah. loved the film. I thought it was amazing, but I just yeah, I, I was like, oh, I wish it was someone else there. Mm. It was good, but it weren't the Burbs, was no. it? Um, yes. <laughs> right. So, all right, that's that's Forrest Gump. Hanks, Forrest Gump, done. Forrest Hanks. <laughs> Who are you going to ruin for your number one then, Carl? Well, number one is a weird one in that it's I did, again. It probably could have been one of a bunch of things, but I've never I never watched Disney films growing up. Right, never. Just like I, again, it's because my brother's so much older. By the time I came along. He'd watched them all. My parents had just got like, well, we ain't going to watch them again. So I never got to see a Disney film. Genuinely, the first Disney film I ever saw, this is absolutely true, was Lion King when I was 14 years old. Yeah, like wow. just because I, I watched it and my mates, because his little cousins were watching it. And I loved it. I was like, this is great. And then suddenly I was like, so since then I've sort of watched some, but now I've got a three-year-old. We've started to enter into the world of Disney. And, um, and just, again, it's that weird thing to watch them for the first time grown up understanding the world a bit more and like we watched yeah. the little mermaid and i think the little mermaid has some quite <laughs> glaring problems yeah. not i mean probably the biggest one is the fact that we've got a 16 year old in a bra swimming around <laughs> that you're obviously meant to fancy like you know what i mean it's the whole point like you know he's you watch the prince fall in love with her and it, they make comments about her attractiveness and like and it's just weird. I know. It's, I know it's an animation. It doesn't. It's not that bad. But you know, I think it's just a weird thing to have a curvaceous sixteen-year-old in a bra swimming round. What's yeah, incredible is, bra. yeah, you're you're checking how problematic that is. You know, watching that with your three-year-old at three, you was watching Porky's yeah. Maze. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is fine. And you turned you turned out all right. <laughs> um, Yes, that's true, I suppose. But it's, uh, it's yeah, I just find also there's like, you know, the sort of slightly stereotype singing of under the sea, all this sort of, like, it's a lot of stuff when you watch it, you know, like, it's just, I think, it, yeah, it's, and it's obviously, I think, again, what it ties in with is that thing of um, this idea, the princess, the princesses, yeah, and, yeah. you know, when you watch a lot of that era of Disney, probably not even that yeah. era, if you watch them from the 40s up to, probably that yeah. the early 2000s it is all very traditional and women want to be princesses mm. and they're going to marry a prince yeah. and have very yeah. little agency over their life 
Yeah, to find meaning, they've got to hook up with a, 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 a prince, effectively. Prince. And, and like um, Ariel, Ariel, she, she, you know, in order to go on the sea and become a woman, she has to give up her voice. She has to sacrifice yeah. all these things just just to get with the dude. And actually, um, you know, if you look at more more recent Disney films, I'm by no means an expert, as we all discovered when we had Helen Bauer on the podcast last week. But um, yeah, like uh, Frozen is fucking. It doesn't have the same narrative. Well, no, I think Fro- really yeah, Frozen's great. I mean, that is a that's been quite a regular um, in the you know the cycle of ones we've been watching. And yeah, it's a totally different. You just watch that, yeah. and compared to like Little Mermaid, you're like this is yeah. a much better message for. Yeah, you know, yeah, the message of Frozen is go and live in a cave on your own. Yeah, if you become an X man yeah. or X woman, just hide leave in a cave. Society, you're alone and go live on your own in the wilderness forever, and you'll be all right. Become be a yeah. hermit, and then you have got Moana in uh, Canto. They're, they're fucking like they're really really yeah, good, yeah. and I'm. Like we, I upset Helen so much because I, I don't like Disney. I find it, but I, growing up in the she, in she the chose 80s, top five okay. Disney characters. Carl. Cool. Yeah. Right. Growing up in the eighties, I think at, like I was brought up on a diet of He-Man, Transformers, Action Force, Star Wars. It was everyone battering the shit out yeah, of everyone. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Thundercats, and so watching Mickey Mouse be chased around by a mop, it just didn't do anything <laughs> for me, basically. Like, you know, it was just so boring. Yeah, and, I um, Weirdly go forward 10 years to your university and discovering Lucigenics. How many times did you watch fucking Mickey Mouse being chased around by that fucking... Yeah, no, Fantasia had a whole different yeah. meaning. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, I just didn't... I can't dial in with it. And it's funny because you miss... I miss that Disney princess narrative. But I I have... Date, like, like, in the past, in, in the 2000s, I've dated... Um, I've had partners who have got, a, like, have had a, a proper full-on Disney princess fixation, right. and it always was just a bit like, you know, I go around their rooms and they're like twenty-five, and it's just pink with Disney uh... princess everywhere, and I'm like, I like, I, I don't know, like, it just feels weird, like they've already decided, like, and it's not entirely. It's, you can understand where the brainwashing has started yeah, yeah, yeah. with, like, saying like these are the things that you're going to need, and you're. I don't know. It it, it encouraged unhealthy behaviours yeah. and, and and outlooks as I well so. for, for for the people that I was dating. It's, um, yeah, think. it's just not. A, it's not. A, you know, it's a very traditional um, outlook, isn't yeah. it? But I do think they are better yeah. now. But I think yeah, Little Mermaid. Yeah. When you look at, it's probably one of the more um, glaring ones. that has got that traditional like your dad, your dad telling you you can't do this. And then you're just gonna, you know, you've got to fall in love with a prince to live your life, and it's like, oh, this is bad. Um, but you know, it's yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, I miss my. But yeah, I'm glad they got better. But um, but I did go to Disneyland in November as well, and it's one of the greatest times of my life. So I will say I've changed a bit. Like it's, I, I'm not. I literally have no. I didn't grow up in it at all. I had no real emotional link to Disney other than just watching them with my daughter. But yeah, we took her to Disneyland, and it is so magical. But you're like this. I get it, man. I get why this would have this hold on kids. Yeah, um, fantastic. Have we got uh, Shrew, Have you got any honourable mentions, buddy? Before we, uh, uh, before we, before we wrap things up, any that you that you wanted to shout out that Carl might not have done? I, I, th- I think Weird Science, like it, it was the one that sort of jumped straight at me, and like when 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 I got Carl. Like, I'm trying to um, think of the, what's the problematic things on Weird Science. Well, I just think like a couple of fourteen-year-old lads just 
you know, making a woman, Bil- building <laughs> a woman just so they can have <laughs> yeah, sex yeah, with yeah, her. Yeah, right, but immediate, immediately her. can't okay, have sex with her. Issues. <laughs> like they, 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 they don't have, you know, they, they, they bottle it effectively. Or else that would have been a wholly, whole, entirely different rating <laughs> of a film. However, as a 13, 14 year old lad watching that film, there was nothing I wanted more than to be oh one of them God. lads in that shower with <laughs> yeah, Kelly yeah, LeBrock. Yeah. I love, I loved that film so much. No, it's it's so good. Like I don't, for me, it's a, for some reason it's a Christmas film. So it's like Pavlovian. I I I have to put it on because one year we put it on at Christmas, and from that point onwards, I I, I need to squeeze it yeah, in there yeah. with Scrooge and a, a bunch of others as yeah, well. For me, I think uh, Ace Ventura, oh, yeah. obviously the Finkel, Finkel, yeah. Finkel being a, like, obviously that is like pretty on the nose. And weirdly, we were talking about Scary Movie with Miss Man and I, we were having a chat with a few of uh, our patrons about, you know, the, the, ball, the balls dropping oh, out yeah. and how I remember being in the cinema. I fell out my chair yeah, laughing. Yeah. I literally came out my chair laughing. The cinema was in absolute hysteria. And I actually spoke to a few, actually um, some of our... Um, comedians like Jordan Gray and a few of my other mates who are trans about after having after talking about scary movie and the perceptions of what they thought that was then and how they see it now were really varied but I think what it did bring um to my attention is like uh someone put this out is like how a lot of trans jokes and trans people have been portrayed in yeah, film. Yeah, yeah. and I think Ace Ventura completely perpetuates that like they they often used to be portrayed as the villain yes. to some extent or another or the other and it's so like on the nose because I fucking Ace Ventura for me at fourteen oh, was just so I could fun. Have quoted every line of that film. Same, yeah, same. And then obviously now I watched it probably five years ago, and I was like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. God, that last bit. I was like, oh, fuck, it's also fuck, the comedy so. has aged quite a lot. Even just like the general mannerisms yeah. and all that. Already then, like it's all sort of it, it's aged <laughs> yeah. a bit cringy. Now you watch it like, oh, it's very yeah. I get why yeah. when I was fourteen, whatever, I was crying, laughing, and quoting it. <laughs> Shouting at people at bus stops, but you know now I'm like this does not land with me anymore. You know some of the physical comedy does, yeah. but it's yeah some things you're yeah. like no that was very much of its time. Yeah. Well, look, talking comedy before we we, we we've just hit, we've gone over the hour mark. So um, in regards to comedy, um, let's talk about uh, your uh, your upcoming yes. shows at the Fringe. What can people expect? Where can they see it? Tell um, us all I'm about it. I'm doing five nights. Last five nights of the festival, I'm doing um, a show called The Dead Dad Show, um, which is sort of a, it was a joke based on, you know, the, they used to be, we used to refer to shows where people talked about their parent dying as the dead dad shows. That was the sort of genre. So I thought, where's my dad died? <laughs> I was last year, I thought I'll do a, one, but I'll just call it The Dead Dad Show. So no one comes in unaware what it's about. And I'm, and I'm doing it in the Spiegel <laughs> Yurt, which is a tiny little, it's called the Magical Spiegel Yurt. It's amazing. It's a little uh, round tent um, where I'm playing it in the round. So I'm going to be in the middle doing the, doing the story. Oh, amazing. And it's sort of a story, but it's, um, it's yeah, it's funny. I, I just, I did, um, I did it in Australia. It was a new show I wrote for Australia. So I did it at um, Adelaide, Melbourne, Sydney comedy festivals. Got it in you know, it's pretty tight and i'm going to do a few previews in london just to tighten it up and make sure it's ready for edinburgh and then yeah five nights there and um yeah it's gonna be fun it's only a little tent that only holds like 50 people so you know you can squeeze in it'll be fun oh fantastic and 
And Carl, if people want to keep up to speed with um, all of those dates and, and the potential sort of warm-up shows and such and finding out about everything that you're up to, where's the best place, best place to, is to, to keep up to speed? Social media, really. I sort of, um, I've, <laughs> it's that thing, since I've had a kid, I'm so busy. I just don't, my website is never up to date with dates. So I tend to just share them on social media. So Twitter or Instagram, I'm just at Carl Donnelly at both. And I often promote them on our podcast that we do, which is TVI. Me and Julian Dean do a podcast called, used to be called Two Vegan Idiots, but we just abbreviated it. The TVI, where you want to hear us talk nonsense every week. Fantastic. Um, if if it's cool with you, we'll tag you in yeah, everything when this comes out. So if people yeah, are following lovely. you already, they can go and do that. Oh, Carl, it's, it's been, been a pleasure. Great. Cheers, guys. Thank you Thanks so much, me. mate. Absolute pleasure. We're going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. It's a drunken soiree in the within. Chris and Stu present our core listing, the podcast.